So get your Bibles out. And if you would go to, I just hold it there for a second. I'm going to just do a short review. I've been preaching so long on this series, I'm forgetting what it was even called. But it was called Don't Panic. God's got you. Did you hear this? Did you hear this week? Listen to this. I don't know. I, I, I read it, went, searched it, looked at it to make sure it's true for I said it this morning. But the Minister of Defense of Sweden and then the, the Swedish commander made an announcement to the, to the nation of Sweden. Okay? I don't know if anybody heard this. Made an announcement to Sweden and told them that all Swedish people should begin to prepare mentally for war. Now, I, I, I thought about that. So then some of the people came back and they, they claimed, oh, y'all are just fear-mongering. And other people were saying all this. Of course, everybody ran out, bought up groceries, stole, you know, got them an extra bottle of water and whatever. But I began to think about this, and I was meditating on it. I was just thinking, you know, you're hit with something like that. Sweden has not even been in a war in 200 years. The last person they fought with against was Napoleon. Seriously. I mean, they don't, there's no war-mindedness to them. And then to have your leaders come up and say, uh, you need to begin to prepare mentally for war. How do you prepare mentally for war? Like, what does that do for you? Most people, I can tell you what it did. It did nothing but threw fear into them, and everybody's like freaking out. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, it depends on where you're at in the location, I imagine, right? A bottle of water's not going to do you any good if there's a bomb falling on your house hello and so I thought about the panic and I thought about people that have no hope I thought about people that have no resources have no Jesus I'm not saying they all don't Sweden's not saved or anything I'm just saying but without Jesus without something to go to man how do you prepare mentally for what could be the end of your existence right and so I thought how appropriate I've been preaching this message about don't panic God's got you that was the title of this message we started out in the first. Don't panic, God's got you. So we started out the very first points, don't worry, okay? And everybody laughed at me like, oh, yeah. And then it was like, man, I tell you what, I, I went through fireballs of hell being thrown at me for preaching that. It seemed like everything in the world that could go wrong went wrong, and I was trying to not worry. And then I said, who listens to that stupid preacher preached a stupid message about not worrying a bunch of I'm going to find me a mess. I told the Lord, I said, I'll find me a message. It's a sweet little patty cake message so that I don't have to walk through this kind of stuff. But anyway, you know, so then I had to walk through just trying not to worry, be anxious. But the Bible says that's how, through, because we pray, hello, we make our supplications. Come on now. Right? With Thanksgiving, well, then we're supposed to walk in the peace of God. Amen? So we got to get over that. So that was a long message. And Y'all will just have to go back if you didn't ever hear that and review that thing. And the second one was simply what? Stop speaking those words, right? Stop putting word curses over your life. I mean, it's, you got everybody else yakking at you. Why join in? Hello? Okay, so we talked about that, about word curses, about idle words, about all of that. And then we got into number three is don't allow fear to control your life. Talked about how God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power. We're supposed to walk in a power. Fear can't control your life, but everything is based about fear. Folks, listen to me. It just, I ask you, just challenge you. Just look 
at whatever you, you're listening to, you're reading, you're, you're, you're viewing, and look at anything around that and see if it's not fear-based. I mean, man, a TV commercial, they're trying to sell you a medicine. Hello? But it's fear-based. Everything is fear-based. I don't even know what was going on in this deal with Sweden. Maybe, maybe those two guys had invested in a big water company and they just wanted to sell water. I don't know, right? But it was a fear-based motivation, all right? The world is all based in fear right now. We can't be in fear. Fear will kill you. You can't operate in fear, okay? So that was number three, okay? I don't know that I touched number four, but I, here we go. This is it. I'm off. I'm off. Proverbs 29, 25. That's where you need to go. Proverbs 29, 25. I hope y'all get excited about this message. I do. I preached so much, made the dog upset this morning. I was preaching to my wife, got all fired up. The dog got upset, thought I was mad. I said, I'm just preaching. Number four, Proverbs 29, 25. says, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Let me say it this way. The fear of man is going to bring you into a trap, right? But whoever has faith in the Lord is going to be safe. Y'all with me? Okay. The, number, the, the fourth point is simply this. You have to stop looking at people to bring you happiness or save you. Only Jesus can do that. Listen to me, church. I... I, I I've been a, had some rocks thrown at me because I, I sometimes get political. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe any political person is going to save us. I believe there's be some that will do us less damage. Hello? But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not looking for the president to save me. I'm not looking for the doctor to save me. Did y'all hear me? I'm looking for my Jesus who bought and paid for me on the cross to save me, to deliver me, to set me free, to to make a way where there seems to be no way. Hello? I'm looking for, you know, the, the, I mean, we're talking about Jesus who, who raised the dead, who opened blind eyes, caused the lame to walk, who fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. I'm talking about miracles. I'm talking about believing and my faith is getting stretched out more and more and more and more and more because I'm telling you folks, these are the times we're coming into. What's going to save you? Jesus. Not that you got you a best bunker. Now, go to Hebrews 11.31. Hebrews 11.31. Here, I won't get to the preach. Hebrews 11.31. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Okay, when you read Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. If you got written into Hebrews 11, I mean, you did something in the Old Testament, right? And so, like, you know, like, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, he made it to the, he's in Hebrews 11. Somebody, here's Rahab, all right? But do you notice what's right before her name? Rahab the, or the harlot Rahab. I mean, like she got labeled by her profession. Now, I don't know if that was because there was multiple Rahabs. And so everybody said, oh, did you see old Rahab in town the other day? Which one? Well, you know, Rahab the harlot. 
I mean, I don't know if that's why she was always put there, but it was put there on her. Her, if you will let me say it this way, her sin was what identified her. Okay? So when I read that, it hit me. And I went back and I started looking. And so go back to Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, where the story that Rahab did, or what she did, that got her into the Hall of Fame of Faith. I mean, Joshua 2.1. says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, the men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring the men out who've come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. And then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yeah, the man came to me, but I don't know where they went or where they went or where they were from. And it happened as, as the gate was being shut, they, they went out in the dark. And where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up into the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Now, okay, let me read some more. Look at verse 9. And said to the men, I know that the Lord has... This is what she's talking to the men of Israel. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror that has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt and what you did in the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other sides of the Jordan, Sion and Og, and, and utterly destroyed. And as, and, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven. Above and the earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me that by the Lord, since I have shown you this kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house to give me a true token and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and that I, all that I have and deliver our hands from death. So the men answered our lives for years. For if none of you tell of this of our business, it shall be that the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Now, so listen to this. I looked this up, so, I mean, I can't prove it. It doesn't say in the Bible how many people were in Jericho, all right? But there, a lot of scholars are saying there was between two and 3,000 people in Jericho. So pick your number, all right? But there was a bunch of people in Jericho, the city. And it, she said, according to her, that they all heard how great that God had dried up the sea and everything like this and everybody's heart had melted. How come out of two or 3,000 people, only one lady, come on, two or 3,000 people whose heart had melted that it was the talk of the town. <gasps> the Hebrews are coming. Their God does this stuff. We're going to die. Two or 3,000 people and only one. Lady who ran a brothel. Come on now. She wasn't Miss Prim and Proper. Hear me now. She wasn't, she wasn't of the elite status. She couldn't go 
walk in town with her head up. That lady believed, said, the God y'all serve, he's God. And that faith that she produced caused her to rescue her family. Come on now. To rescue her family and get written in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Because she believed. So what was different about this lady? I'll tell you what it was. Now this is preaching. All right. I'm painting with a big broad brush this morning. So take it or leave it. I'll tell you what it was. She was looked down on everybody in town. Everybody in town didn't like everybody in town. You know, she all she runs the brothel over. She's Rahab the harlot. Everybody put their nose down. Everybody did that. But I want to tell you something. That woman was hungry on the inside of her for something. She was hungry. And when, when, the, when Israel starts coming across and everybody else is panicking and running and freaking out, she saw an opportunity. She said, you know what? I'm going to convert. Do you know right now in the Sudan, no, excuse me, in Nigeria, that there is a radical Muslim uh, terrorist group going around from village to village, and they're, they, you, it's, they go into the village, you either convert to becoming a Muslim if you're a Christian or die. People are still faced with that today. This is a reality, okay? But everybody else is freaking out. Everybody else was in fear. Everybody else was panicking in the town. Everybody else was running to and fro and pulling their hair out and saying, the Hebrews are coming, the Hebrews are coming. Will our city, our great big strong city, is it going to stand? I mean, we got some thick walls. They said the walls of Jericho was so thick they had chariot races on them. Right? And so is that going to be your security? Because, see, people trust in other people or trust in governments or trust in, you know, whatever. They got their trust in the wrong place. These people were trusting in the walls of Jericho, but they were freaked out. Oh, Rahab's like, I see an opportunity here. I'm going to get on their side because I believe that that is God who's with them. And so when she did that, God didn't look at her status. He didn't look at her amount of good work she had done. He didn't say, well, you know, uh, Rahab, she was, she's a good person. She means good. No, no, no. He didn't look at any of that. He looked at one thing, her faith. See, this is where Christians get it all messed up. They think you got to be, you got to be all squeaky king. Posh. Is that not the word? Is that the word? I've never used it like maybe once. So I don't know if that's the right word or not. That one I should have used or whatever. But I mean, just, you know, like you got to have it all together. Are y'all with me here some more? Y'all live? What I'm trying to tell you is that, that, you know, I believe that the devil, the demonic forces in this world today, they're trying to kill you if you haven't figured that out. You know how I know that? Because John 10, 10 tells me the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to kill you. I mean, now the new, the new thing is, is you know, uh, what do they call it? Disease X? Oh, yeah. Well, why don't y'all just stand up and, the, and the, the podium and just go ahead and tell us you're trying to kill us all. I mean, just tell us. Just quit messing around. It's kind of like the little yeah, yeah, you know. You know what a yeah, yeah is? 
You know, so the guy that always drives by and just goes, yeah, yeah, he just talks like that. Well, it's time to get out of the truck and just come on over here. Quit driving by and just going, yeah, yes, okay? Let's see something. Oh, Rahab, she's like, her faith is what saved her and her household. Folks, what's going to save you this year is your faith. Oh, should you do good work? Should you do? Well, of course. But that's not what's going to get you there. It's your faith. What are you going to do? What are you going to believe in? Now, look at verse 21, Joshua 2, 21. So then she said, according to your word, so be it. And so she went away and they departed and she bound a scarlet cord in the window. I mean, come on. Took the scarlet cord representing Jesus' blood. Tied it in the window. Now, I want you to know something. It was not the next day that the walls fell. Because you can just go do the math. I I can't tell you exactly, but they walked around the city for seven days. Right? And then they had to, the spies ran for a day till they got back to Joshua. Then they had to cross, and then the river parted at Ai, and they had to assemble the troops, and they had to get everything. So I don't know how long this took place. What if it was two weeks? I mean, it would have been easy to say two weeks. So all Rahab had to do is go out there and look out her window. Make sure that scarlet cord's still tied. Yeah, still there. But did she see instantaneous fruit of her faith from day one? She had the word of the men. Hear me. She had the word of the men. Yes, okay, your life or my life will save you. But she didn't see. They weren't translated out of there. She didn't get to walk out. All she had was a scarlet thread. And I'm telling you today, those of you that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, listen to me. That scarlet thread in your life, that blood of Jesus over your life, that's what you've got to hang on to. That's what you've got to have right now. You, see, you may not understand everything. You may not know. You may not be able to look out and see what Joshua's doing. You may not be able to say, why are they just walking around the silly walls? They're not even saying anything. But then that day came, and the shout went up. Ah! The shout went up. They all shouted, blew the shofar, and the walls came tumbling down. And Rahab is like, yes, I chose wisely. Hello? That blood of Jesus is what's going to get you through there. When all the mess happens everywhere, but you're clinging and hanging on to the blood of Jesus and your covenant with him, and you're standing there saying, well, I don't know, but Jesus, you're going to get me through this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. And then the walls come tumbling down. You're going to be sitting there saying, man, I sure am glad I'm believing in you, Jesus. I sure am glad you got me. Now, to take this story just a little bit further, go over to, um, oh, man, I didn't put it in here. Matthew chapter 1. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Just start with verse 1. Maddie 1 1. Okay, go to 2, please. Okay, so it starts going through here. It says, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez, Perez, Tamar, Shemar, Peter, 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 Ram begot Hebrew, and 4, 5. 
Oh, wait a minute. Y'all seeing what I'm seeing? Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. Next one. Jesse begot, oh, David. David the king begot Solomon. Folks, listen to me. This woman, it says there in Joshua, lived in Israel for the rest of her life. She is in the royal lineage of David, who is in the royal lineage of Jesus. Not only did she save her family that day, but she set forth a course and a destiny for victory for everyone in the, through Jesus. Hello? That's what faith can do. Did she know that? Absolutely not. She couldn't have seen all the way down through all of that. She didn't know it was going to work out like that. She just knew that she didn't want to die and God was God. And I'm telling you, those of us that trust in, in the Lord, we're going to see victory. I'm telling you, you're going to see victory. You're going to see victory. You're going to see victory. Amen? Because God's got you in this whole situation. Now, let me show you another, another little story of this, okay? Matthew 16, 30, 16, 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciple, who do men say that I am? And the Son of Man, I, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? It's not what they say he is, it's what do you say he is. Folks, I want to show you this, that God is looking for faith on this earth. And he's not looking for faith from those who, or let me say it this way, he's not only looking for faith at those who have status. He's looking for faith to any person that will produce faith if the devil's lying to you and saying you're nothing you're not really anything what are you who do you or you know la 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 listen to me tell him to shut up you got Rahab the harlot in the lineage of Jesus and so why are we worried about me y'all there you tell the devil man I'm a believer in Jesus I've already made because he says he turns his who do you say that I am I don't know what the world's going to say. I don't know what the world's going to, what they're going to do. Listen to me, folks. They're already trying to develop a, an AI version of the Bible. I don't know if y'all know this. They're trying to develop an AI version of the Bible. They're taking out all the good parts and going to put in what they won't put in. Right now in China, China's already done that. They've rewritten the Bible. A lot of people have Bibles, but it's, it's, it's stories like... Uh, John's gospel where the woman comes to Jesus caught in the middle of adultery and Jesus said, he's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the guys walk off and Jesus said, but I am not. And he stoned the woman to death. That's what their Bible says. Oh, yeah. They rewrite it to me what they want to. It's no more, there's no more of this thinking that, oh, everybody's just got a little bit of a different view and a little bit of a different political view, and, and they're just, you know, I mean, they're just a little different, and it's okay, they're a little different flavor, but no, they're devils from the pit of hell, and they want to kill you. It's time to wake up. It's time to get our faith in Jesus and, and be like Rahab and say, listen, I don't care, you other 3,000 of you suckers are going to go down, but I got the scarlet cord out here, and bless God, I'm going. I'm going to be okay. Hello? All right. So Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the son of God. 
And he said, that's good. You did it right. You're right, Peter. And then he tells old Peter, he says, man, this is the kind of revelation I want upon this. You know, I'm going to build my church, right? You know the story? And then so he says, you know, I'm going to build your, your, on this rock. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. Don't you know Peter's just like, yeah. Looking at his, his other disciple buddies that they're always in competition with. Saying, hey, hey, I'm going to ride. I got the question right. He's just getting more puffed and more puffed and more puffed. And then he commanded his disciples they should tell no one this. And Jesus, he said, from this time, Jesus began to show the disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and to be raised on the third day. And Peter, old Peter, took him aside because he's so puffed up, knows everything. He said, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, devil. He called Peter a devil. Are y'all with me? Just if he'd have just kept his mouth shut. He was the rock that upon this revelation about the church. But he didn't last any time till he said something stupid out of his mouth. And now he's called Satan. Why? He said, you're mindful of the things. You're, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, folks, when you start to let men and get in the opinion of men and let men start getting in there and working in your life, they're going to sway you to do it their way. And that's the trouble. You are a, you're a rebel when you believe in Jesus. There's only one Lord, and it's him, and there's no other way around it. And that's what the world hates. That's what the devil hates. Because you're, you're sold out and said, I'm sorry, this is what I do. This is my Bible, and I believe it's true. And, and um, I, I'm, not, I'm not cutting any pages out. How about another scripture, John 12, 42, where uh, the Pharisees... They said, nevertheless, uh, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. See, the rulers couldn't walk in the power because they didn't want to get caught up and get pushed out of the synagogue or something happened to them, right? They wanted to be with the in crowd. Hello? There's going to be pressure put on you this year to just be a part of the in crowd. To just, this is the best for the world. And you're going to say, no, it's not. No, it is not. It's not the best for the world. It is not the best for the world. The best for the world is that we turn our eyes upon Jesus. This is what's the best for the world. What you're doing to us is leading us down to the pit of hell. You're not going to walk and I'm not going to go down that way. And it's going to cost you. But you're going to, in the world, but not not when the walls fall. Not when you got the cord outside and you get delivered. You got to look at the end game. So what does it tell us in Hebrews 12? Therefore, 12.1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. How are you going to do it? Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus has to be paramount in your life. He has to be first in your life. He has to be right out there in the middle. Just like Pastor Jason said just a minute ago, you had, he surrendered his life. Jesus has to be at the forefront. And if he's not, I'm telling you, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for 
Governments to save you, doctors to save you, associations, people, whatever. You're looking for that to save you. It's not. It's not going to save you. Matter of fact, behind the curtain, y'all remember the Wizard of Oz? Man, as a kid, I hated them flying monkeys. Them flying monkeys scared me as a little kid. Man, I was freaked out about monkeys and flying monkeys. I mean, I just knew flying monkeys were going to come around. I hated them. I still don't like it to this day. I won't watch it. But... But the, the whole thing about the Wizard of Oz, when he pulls the curtains back and there's just a man back there pulling the strings, that's what's happening. That's what's happening, folks. I am the great and powerful Oz. You will not assemble. And you will not gather. And you will put on a mask, even in the car, by yourself. <laughs> I tell you, you know, you talk about road rage. You know, I, I don't have road rage or people, you know, that do something wrong. I've learned to bless people. When they cut me off, I say, God bless them. I said, bless them. But when I see a person, even to this day, riding down the road with a mask on, in their car by themselves, I just want to pull them over and say, are you, like, you got tuberculosis or blood comes squirting out of your mouth at inopportune times or what is the problem? I really, I want to pray for you. I want to help you. There's something not right. Something not right. Okay, let me go to the next one right quick. Number five. Number five is simply this. Folks, you have to test all things. Hear what I'm saying. You have to test all things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Folks, this is a year you've got to test all things. How many of y'all men, you ever got taken by you, 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 you always had good tools. And then one day you finally decided, you know, the cheap ones, man, they're so much cheaper. That thing's half price. That's even, maybe even less than that. And I'm going to, I'm going to buy the cheap one because it just might last. And then you bought the cheap one and it didn't work. Can I see a show of hands? Have you been snookered like that? There we go. See? And you're so mad at yourself because then you're thinking the cheap price you paid for that one if you had just put it onto the good one and got what you knew was going to work. But you were surely just hoping that that old cheap one was going to work. Hello? Folks, it's like that in life. Now, you got to test all things just because it looks pretty. Just because it's on the Internet does not mean it's true. Well, it is true. I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. With what facts, I don't know. But how are you going to test it? Folks, it's just right here. If it doesn't line up with the word, it's not God. It's not a complicated thing. You don't have to have the, 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 to be the most mystical wizard of the Bible to just be able to, to, to look at things and say, is this right or is this wrong? Hello? It, 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 you don't have to know the, the, the depths of the end time eschatology of, you know, what the color of the four horsemen are. What does it mean? I didn't know that one, so I didn't know how to test it. No, no, there's a whole lot of things. Is anybody just walking in love? Yeah, like this rhetoric I keep hearing coming from politicians' mouth. We just want what's best for y'all, so we're going to have to kill this group of people over here to get what's best for y'all. And you're like, uh, excuse me, that doesn't, that's not, that doesn't work out. That doesn't line up. You've got to kill them to bless them. That's not God. Hello? Have you, this, this whole Jewish thing cracks me up, all right? 
that there's people in the world that, that literally, it's like, well, the world would be a better place if, if we kill all the Jews. And I'm like, uh, isn't that in itself a racist statement? But everybody's got to be so particular about, oh, racism, we can't, oh, don't, don't, don't say that, you know. Hello? But then that's a racist statement. And I'm like, you guys are so blind, but they're really not. They think we're that stupid. It's not that they're that blind. It's that they think we're that stupid and nobody's going to say anything. Can I give you one more? I'm really hungry myself, but I... <clears throat> I've I got time to give you one more. Number six, 1 Corinthians 4.14. This is important. It's going to help you out. 1 Corinthians 4.14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everyone in every church. Do you see where he says you have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers? One of the things that's going to be important for you this year is to make sure that you have spiritual fathers around you. Now, listen to me. You say, well, how do I get spiritual fathers? Can you tell me? Give me a list of them. No, you got to find them yourself. And how do you know if somebody's a spiritual father? Because that person, when he speaks, it speaks into your heart, and God uses them to, yes, bring you into line, uplift you, give you guidance, bring peace into your life. And you can have multiple fathers, right? But be careful of... 10,000 instructors. Hear what I'm saying? If everything that flies across your desk, you chase it, you're going to be chasing squirrels for a long time. And I'm going to tell you something. You, you, there is some crazy, wacky stuff out there. That is in, is, is, it's wrapped and packaged to look like sound Christianity, but I'm telling you, it's not. It's craziness. The number one thing to look for is, does the father, your father, spiritual father, is he motivating you by fear? Because a real spiritual father doesn't need to motivate you by fear. He points the way and gives you reassurance of what you're supposed to, where you're supposed to go. Hello? He doesn't say, you know, you're going to burn in hell. The fire is a hell of hot and sinning right, and you're going to burn. Right? You've got to look for these things. But I'm telling you, church, you need people around you. You need spiritual fathers around you that, that are speaking into your life. And when you have those, then you can know that you're going to be on the right track. You're going to keep on the right track. Here's another one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. It says, For we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. 
Paul's encouraging you, look, you're supposed to know where you're called to. Those of you that are called here to Living Waters, to the water hole to watch, whether you're just viewing and you watch every week faithfully or you come here to church or whatever's going on, if God is using this ministry to speak into your life, man, I want you. But if you're just viewing and watching to gather information that you can complain about, I don't need you. There's plenty of rock throwers in life. I don't need some more. And there are people who just listen to other ministers. Like, like I don't say anything bad about another minister. I'm not going to. I don't, there's no reason to. And, you, and, and there's some people, their whole ministry is about trying to expose other ministries. And I'm like, dude, go get somebody saved. Go give somebody some love. Go, go, go help someone know Jesus better. Go find somebody to teach them how to read the word and have a Bible study with them. My Lord, don't sit around trying to point out everybody else's faults. I mean, you, man, I got all kinds. You want to find mine, just you don't have to take you very long to look. But Rahab the harlot, I'm in with a good crowd. Matthew 18, 19, scripture you know. Again, you say to you that if you two of you agree on earth as concerning anything that you would ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For two or three gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. We need that agreement. Hello? Agreement's a powerful thing. Don't let yourself get cut off and become a loner. I've told y'all that, I've, I've warned y'all that so many times because it's the Lone Star State. We're so strong, we're so hard-headed, we can be like wild boar instead of sheep. And we want to go do our own thing. Be careful because you get isolated and you're, then you're going to only hear the crazy in your own head. And you need fathers to help you and direct you and give you and say, this is where you're supposed to go and this is what you're supposed to do. Hello? Golly. It's too far to the finish line. It's too far to the finish line, but I'm going to give you one more. First Thessalonians 5.12. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. I read that. Okay, here we go. And are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly for love's sakes and be at peace with another. The last part, be at peace with one another. Folks, don't fight Christians. Just leave it. Preach. Tell them good news. Love them. Care for them. Comfort them. You know? But don't, don't, don't. We've got to be in peace. Listen, if you don't have peace in your life, man, you're going to do dumb things. Because you're going to do everything in the world that you can try to do to find peace. And so peace only comes from one place, your relationship with Jesus. And the more you fight to find that, go to that other direction, the more you're trying to make peace come from another, another source. Oh, if I can just make that first, you know, big chunk of money and get that thing in the bank, and uh, then we can have peace. No, you won't. I knew a man who had a lot, a lot of money. Very wealthy. Very wealthy. And uh, he came down with cancer. All the money in the world couldn't change it. But he was a believer in Jesus. So it was like, well, I know where I'm going. My point is, you, there's no, you can't get security in this world. She's going to get security in the other one. Whoo! Can't get it here, but you can get it there. And that's where we got to live. Because I'm going to tell y'all something. I am going to quit. I, I, I'm going to tell y'all. This world's, this, this year's, you, you haven't seen it happen yet. But events are going to take place on this earth 
that are going to shock through the whole world. And, and I'm just telling you, it's coming. And when it comes, you can say, oh, Pastor Robert said that. I'm glad I've been preparing. I'm glad I've been reading. I'm glad I've been building my faith. I'm glad I've got my, the fathers of faith I'm listening to. I'm glad that I've got my agreement. I'm glad I, that, that, that I, I'm, I'm like Rahab, man. I got my cord hanging out the window. I've got the blood of Jesus on my life. I'm secure. Amen? And then you know what? I can't tell you what's going to happen. I, I can't tell you. Then everything's going to be perfect. Then Jesus is going to come. Or then you're going to have the, I, I don't know. I just know what the Lord's telling me to share with y'all. To build you up, to prepare you for what's coming. Amen? Y'all's responsibility to do it. So stand up. I want to pray for you. Laura, come up here and just play for, just give me some pretty music. Just twinkle them the libraries for just a moment. Can I have my prayer team come down? I just feel in my heart, and I just, I'm just, I don't know whether you're out there in, in, in reviewing or you're in here today. And that's why I gotta, I gotta stop here for a minute. When I started this message, I knew that that this message and the part about Rahab was gonna speak to people, and that God was dealing with someone's heart. It's multiple people's hearts, because you've always felt inferior, inferior. You've always felt like you weren't good enough to, to really be a good Christian you've, 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 the devil has always held your mistakes in front of you and, and lied to you and said you weren't worthy and you weren't good enough but I'm here today to tell you that that's not the way it works that the blood of Jesus is what washes you and cleanses you and makes you righteous and holy and unblameable before God you can't do enough penance to make up for your mistakes all you can do is build your faith in Jesus. So if that is you, whether you're out there in the viewing audience or you're in here this, today, I want to pray for you right now. And what I want to ask everybody to do is just everybody just bow your heads and just be a, a moment of, of, of prayer and just a, a place of faith in your own heart. And if that's you that needs that prayer, you, you, that, that, you, you've been feeling like that, just Lift your hand up and wave at me a little bit so I can say, yeah, I know who I'm talking to. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. I see those hands. Those of you out there listening, just, just keep your, you don't have to put your hand up. Don't take your hand off the wheel if you're driving. But listen to me at this moment. God wants to deliver you. So I'm going to pray. Father, right now, those of you that lift your hand, grab hold of this prayer. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I declare there is a cleansing anointing going forth right now. The mistakes of the past are gone. I declare that the mistakes of the past are gone. The things that we did, Lord, in ignorance or even if we knew it, they're gone right now in Jesus' name. And right now that anointing begins to touch you at the top of your head. And begins to go all the way down through you, cleansing you and delivering you and breaking chains and breaking weights that have been on you forever. So that you can be free. So this day, in the name of Jesus, I declare freedom. Freedom over your soul. Freedom over your mind. Freedom over your life. 
No longer will the devil have a way. No longer will the devil have a, a way to speak into you and lie to you. Because this day, Jesus sets you free. So everyone say with me, say, I'm free. I'm in the lineage of Jesus. Come on. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. Jesus loves me. I'm his favorite. Woo! You got to do a little woo too. Now listen to me. Those of you that this is speaking to, I'm telling you today there's an anointing. You're free. Don't listen to the devil. If he comes back and tries to say anything to you, just say, shut up. Just shut up. You don't have any voice in me anymore. You have no hold on me anymore. Shut up. And you're free. You're free. Now listen, we got prayer team people up here to pray with you. If you were out there and you just happen to tune into the broadcast, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to call out on Him. And all you got to do is right where you are to say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. And he will. He'll touch you right where you are. If you're in here, we have prayer team people to come pray with. If you've got needs of any other sort or you want to pray for somebody else or something's on your heart, they're here to pray with you. So take the hand of that person beside you. I'm going to bless you now. Lord, I speak over these people, greatest people on the face of the earth. I ask you to bless them. I ask you, Lord God, to take them out and, and, and the, when they go out the doors and take them into the world and let them be lights and witnesses everywhere they are. Lord, I just thank you that this week will be a great week for them. I declare that, that they're going to find blessings at every turn. God, that, that they are going to be, have joy and peace to know that you got them. Because they're like Rahab, got that, that scarlet thread hanging off, Lord. And Lord, I give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.